Celebrating the sounds of Memphis for 21 years, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we feature bluesman Eric Hughes in a set from the Bonafide Blues Festival during this year's Bridging the Blues. Bill Street Caravan contributor William Lee Ellis will also be joining us to discuss the deep connections between religion and the blues. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. We have Memphis bluesman Eric Hughes on the program with us today. If you've ever come to Memphis in search of the blues, then you've probably found yourself walking that sacred stretch of cobblestones and pavement between Main Street and 4th Street, known to the world as Bill Street. Also, we will add that last year, 3rd Street, which runs right in the middle of Bill Street, was renamed B.B. King Boulevard. 3rd Street stretches down into Mississippi to become Highway 61, and that route is legendary for all bluesmen that were coming up from the Mississippi Delta. That's right. Bill Street is not just home of the blues, it's home to bluesman Eric Hughes, or maybe it's just his home away from home. You see, Eric Hughes is a Bill Street regular. If you've walked down the street, if you've caught music wafting through the air, or if you've popped into one of the clubs or spent the night dancing in front of one of the best blues bands you've ever heard, chances are that you've caught Eric Hughes live. A couple of things worth noting. First, this performance was captured during Bridging the Blues. Bridging the Blues is a two-week-long celebration of the music and culture of Memphis and the Delta region. Festivals, symposiums, special events, you name it. It's an excellent time to come visit us. And second, the set was taken from the Bonafide Blues Festival in Memphis. That's right, Memphis now has its own flagship blues festival, the very first weekend in October every year. Well, I think it's time for Eric to hit the stage. Here's Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Fest in Memphis, Tennessee, live on Bill Street Caravan. Who's been working hard all week? Who got their paycheck today? We're going to tell you the paycheck boogie. Friday, Friday, I got my money in hand. Monday, Monday, nothing left to spend. 
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Here's more from Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Festival live on Beale Street Caravan.
too bad Got to work hard all the time Rolling sad for your dad You know it is my word, my That was Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Festival in Memphis, Tennessee, live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from Eric in just a few minutes. First, we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor William Lee Ellis as he explores the deep connections between religion and the blues. It's time now for our feature host, Bill Ellis. He's continuing his series on religion and the blues. Here he is to talk about street corner evangelists. Last week, we looked at how Pentecostalism, especially in the Memphis-based Church of God in Christ, helped blur the lines between gospel and blues. This week, it's the street corner evangelist. Taking the good news literally to the street, jackleg preachers, as they were called, came by their profession usually without training, ordination, or employ of a church. Instead, these rough-and-ready ministers set up on the sidewalk or a makeshift storefront church, catering, by and large, the poorer populations and lower rungs of society. The jackleg preacher's approach to proselytizing, often with flamboyant musical performances to attract a crowd, was not unlike the bluesman, in fact, who might be playing down the street for the same passers-by. That the two crossed paths should come as no surprise, as we shall see. The easily carried, cheaply afforded guitar became the main instrument for the itinerant evangelist musician, a number of whom recorded in the golden era of 78s marketed to African Americans, the so-called race record line of the 1920s and 30s. But other instruments also figured in, including the harmonica, the piano, the harmonium, and the odd zither-like portative keyboard, the dulciola, itself a debated topic, whose main practitioner was the great Texas jackleg preacher-performer Washington Phillips. Phillips made 18 sides for the Columbia label between 1927 and 1929 in Dallas, notably a gospel appropriation of hesitation blues, dubbed denomination blues, in which he implores factions of believers to forego their divisive ways. Sings Phillips, well, denominations have no right to fight. They ought to just treat each other right. In words that still ring true today, here's Phillips doing his classic denomination blues from 1927. I want to tell you 
what you'll fight. Every man don't understand the Bible like, but that's all now. I tell you, that's all. But you better have Jesus. I tell you, that's all. Well, the nominations has no right to fight. They ought to just treat each other right. And that's all. I tell you, that's all. But you better have Jesus. I tell you, that's all. The primitive Baptists, they believe you can't get to heaven unless you wash your feet. But that's all now. If churches distrusted the jackleg preachers, who could be ordained for a mere $5 bill, as noted in Paul Oliver's seminal book, Songsters and Saints, the sentiment flowed both ways. Long before rappers took verbal battle on record, established religion and the street evangelists did the same, admonishing each other in song. One especially pointed number, Scandalous and a Shame, came from Greenville, South Carolina itinerant evangelist and performer Blind Joe Taggart, the first guitar evangelist to record professionally, and a man whose severe circumstances, as both a disabled and ambulant person, perhaps caused him to be called low-down, nasty, mean by legendary folk blues player Josh White. White would know, since he was Taggart's lead boy as a child, a role he also filled for other blind players, including fellow Greenville bluesman John Henry Arnold. White, who would walk his own tightrope between blues and gospel in the early years of his career, even accompanied Taggart on record, none better than this classic take on backsliders and two-faced church members. From 1928, here is Scandalous and a Shame, with lead vocals and guitar provided by 14-year-old Josh White, already showing formidable gifts as a vocalist and hot guitar picker. Well, the deacon sitting in the deacon's chair, drinking all the whiskey and beer. And if you get out, the deacon about it. Well, the deacon tell you, don't care. Do you call that religion? No, no. Do you call that religion? No, no. Do you call that religion? No, no. Beyond the blues-like filigree of Josh White's playing in the last tune, blues as a style also figured into the repertoire of the guitar evangelist. For a number of possible reasons, the record label's need for a variety of marketable tunes, the evangelist's comfortable negotiation between a spiritual and street's eye view of the world, the similarities in technique between guitar blues and guitar gospel, jackleg preachers were known to also record secular material from time to time, if under a pseudonym, as in this version of C&O Blues by Taggart, billed here as Blind Joe Amos. Slide technique became a particularly effective method of playing gospel on the guitar thanks to its ability to carry and project a melody and the call-and-answer effect it had against a voice. Such a style worked for Reverend Edward W. Claiborne, whose string of releases on vocalion was billed as the guitar evangelist, which apparently gave the genre its name. 
and it worked for Blind Willie Johnson, arguably the greatest of all the guitar evangelists, at least in the stunning technical ability he achieved on his instrument. With almost angelic nuance and grace, the Texas performer wove intricate slide parts around his growly street corner voice, a mix of the earthy and divine that didn't need to be blues to inform secular music even into the rock era. Next week, we'll tackle that other key figure in the guitar evangelist saga, Reverend Gary Davis. For now, I leave you to be converted by the guitar work of Blind Willie Johnson in this riveting tale about the sinking of the Titanic, God Moves on the Water. Here, Johnson the Song Sermonizer presents the tragic event with almost documentary-like detail, a visceral and immediate telling matched by the wave-like undulations of his guitar. This is William Lee Ellis for Beale Street Caravan. 
We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and this week we're featuring bluesman Eric Hughes live from the Bonafide Blues Festival in Memphis, Tennessee. We were able to sit down with him and hear Eric's story from the man himself. Here's what he had to say. Eric, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. It's exciting. You, in particular, have become synonymous to a lot of people, even people all around the globe, with Beale Street. You've been playing there for how many years? 16. 16 years. Multiple nights a week, that sort of thing, different clubs. About five or six shows a week on Beale Street mm-hmm. amazing yeah. you're from Memphis you grew up in Memphis mm-hmm. but if I understand correctly you didn't really discover blues music till you were in the Marines and you were stationed mm-hmm. overseas yeah I'd always been a blues fan and, a, and a, a blues lover you know how could you not growing up here but I never played until um, I was stationed on the East Coast I was homesick and lonesome and bought a guitar I thought, oh, I'll just try to learn some Memphis music and not be so homesick. And man, that guitar changed everything. And it was quite obvious after a very short time that that's what I wanted to do all the time, full time. <laughs> and uh, set out on a quest to, to learn how to, to play and learn how to entertain. And not only that, but learn the stories and uh, the connection with all these songs that are so much more than mere uh, collections of rhymes and melodies. I mean, they're stories. A lot of them are stories about our town and our people and just makes it all the more interesting. And, uh, Tell me about that pathway. Like, how did you start digging? Even as early as high school, when I was listening to uh, popular music, I would listen to the like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or the Doors, and I would notice on the back of the album, on the song credits, it would say W. Dixon or, or, you know, and I started trying to go back and find out about Willie Dixon and all the songs that he wrote for Muddy and Wolf and half the Stones songs that I liked, you know, were old Robert Johnson tunes, 
So I would learn about Robert Johnson, probably a lot of the same way that the young folks are learning about R.L. Burnside through the Black Keys or learning about Junior Kimbrough through more modern guys. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating and fortunate how, how that works. So when you got out of the Marines, came back to Memphis, and you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah, it was 10 more years before I started playing on Beale. Mm -hmm. And during those 10 years, I was uh, on a kind of a quest. Not many people understood what I was doing, <laughs> especially my friends and family. Mm -hmm. They were like, well, you know, why are you living in poverty and, and studying this strange, arcane, seemingly irrelevant music, you know? But I would try to learn from guys like Big Boy Henry out in Carolina, fellows like Blind Mississippi Morris, Brad Webb, and... Um, you know, go listen. Uh, That's back when Junior Kimbrough had a club near my grandfather's deer hunting camp mm -hmm. and near Holly Springs. And you could hear a lot of those guys live in person. So I spent almost 10 years studying, learning, and uh, several of those years were spent with the Memphis Songwriters Association, learning what makes a good song and why you know, things like imagery and, and what makes a hook and why is it called a hook and some of the fundamentals of songwriting and been down there on Beale 16 years now. When you decided you were ready, Beale Street had to be the place mm -hmm. and you were doing whatever it took to get the gigs and there was a time period where you worked, not as a musician, but you worked on Beale Street for yep. a while. Yep. Doing like handyman, anything you could. Yeah, that was my day job for several years as um, head of maintenance for about five or six of the clubs. Wow. And um, it just made things seem more connected. Yeah. You know, all those basements used to connect one to another. Really? And if you travel east and west from one club to the other via the basements, you can see where the brickwork is recently, in recent decades, that is, patched over mm -hmm. to where there would have been a doorway going from basement to basement and, um, you know, when liquor was illegal, that's the way they'd bring in liquor from the river landing. Mm -hmm. And uh, just became, you know, made more relevance and, and made things even seem more connected. I'd work down there all day, and then I'd change clothes in my little maintenance office and uh, come down and, and play uh, in, the, in the evenings. Mm -hmm. So Beale Street's definitely home. Yeah. <laughs> so 16 years of playing on the street. A lot of what Beale Street is today can be a little flashy, a little commercialized. Do you ever lose that sense of history? You can. I, I can sometimes lose sight, but it helps for me to spread the word and remind people. And like when I play Mr. Crump's Blues by W.C. Handy, it helps to be able to tell everybody, hey, Boss Crump wanted to clean up Beale Street, so W.C. Handy wrote this song making fun of him and he didn't even realize the song was making fun of him, adopted it as his campaign slogan. And those kind of stories not only remind me of where I am and what I'm doing, but the people that are listening to the songs, it helps them make a connection, mm -hmm. helps the song be more relevant and memorable. Sharing the history and, and heritage with other people kind of mm -hmm. helps me as much as it does them and keeps me uh, fueled and motivated to carry the flag forward mm -hmm. and, and play the, for these people that have traveled here from all over the world, play them this music that Memphis has told them, you know, that, that we're all about. And uh, it's, it's good for them to hear this, mm -hmm. this music. I like to ask all of our locals this, what does Memphis music mean to you? Variety. 
I know that rock and roll and blues get most of the emphasis, but man, the collision of all these different styles, the, the, the collision or the mixture of all these different styles are what make Memphis music. It's not just blues, it's not merely rock and roll, and it's not just uh, gospel or soul or country, but man, it's all of them. Mm -hmm. It's like a stew or a soup. It's, man, all these cool different ingredients come together to become something completely new and completely original. And it all kind of came crashing together into the stew pot a couple of blocks from here on, on Beale Street. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What can people expect with the new record? This one will be quite different. What I'm known for is blues, and uh, there will be three or four blues tunes on there. Like we were saying before, Memphis has so many different styles to offer. When you're writing a song and that song kind of wants to steer into a gospel direction or steer into a rock direction, if you're smart, you'll let it go there. And uh, so we have one song that's kind of jazzy. We have a, a cowboy ballad. We have uh, a couple of rockers, three or four blues tunes. But the reason we're calling it Bluesicana hmm. is kind of to uh, give a nod to the, the variety of musical styles. So when that comes out, we'll have to have you on the program again. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Here's more from Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Festival in Memphis, Tennessee, live on Beale Street Caravan.
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Here's more from Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Festival, live on Beale Street Caravan. The day they hanged the kid, the sun kept itself here. How the senoritas cried when they heard the kid had died. A gun was his best friend, now he's swinging in the wind. His deeds couldn't be undid, the day they hanged the kid. Dusty days before the telephones and the cars. When the real life cowboys could still be found in bars. Was an outlaw none could catch, a six straw none could match. The newspapers called him the one man war. The day they hanged the kid, the sun kept itself here. How the senoritas cried when they heard the With a three-day stubble all across his jaw A cigar stuck between his lips A six-gun went out on his hip It was the last thing many sheriffs saw The day they hanged the kid The sun kept itself here How the senoritas cried When they heard the kid had died Construction was a not so funny joke. At a shamefully young age, full of whiskey and rebel rage, he shot a stranger just to smell the smoke. The day they hanged the kid, the sun kept itself here. How the senoritas cried when they heard the kid had died. Our gun was his best friend.
give it all back to the poor. Others say his head was all messed up from the war. The town folk gave him dirty looks, and they read about him in their books. Kid wonder what the fuss was for.
That was Eric Hughes from the Bonafide Blues Festival in Memphis, Tennessee, live on Bill Street Caravan. To find out more about Eric and his music, go to erichughesband.com. Or even better, come to Memphis, take a walk down Beale Street, and catch Eric live. His most recent effort is titled Drink Up, and you can find it and more on his website or through iTunes. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. (laughs) 